Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Jonathan Rivera. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Henry. So Jonathan is the king of podcasting, and as we get into this conversation, you're going to quickly figure out why, Uh, but he's also a serial entrepreneur uh, and a podcast growth expert and the executive producer of the Podcast Factory Network. You can find them at thepodcastfactory.com. Jonathan co-hosts eight weekly shows with industry experts, rather, in sales, marketing, and building a business from the ground up with little or no seed money. Simply put, and I love this, I think this was on your LinkedIn description, uh, Jonathan helps business owners reach more customers through podcasting. So that's what he does. Uh, Jonathan has been making a living as a podcaster since he launched his first show on his network in 2013 with no money out of pocket. His proven system to launch podcast shows has landed his last 10 shows at the top of the charts in iTunes. He now writes a paid newsletter that is read in six countries called The Podcast Mogul, where he helps his readers turn their podcasts into profitable businesses. So in this episode, we're going to have Jonathan take us through his entrepreneurial journey because it's an interesting one. Talk about building a business and his tips and advice there, the importance of sales skills and mentorships and other key things that have been a part of his journey. And of course, podcasting and other tips and advice for small business owners. He lives in the Orlando, Florida area. So once again, Jonathan Rivera, welcome to our show. Well, I'm happy to be here, and I'm I'm glad you didn't laugh when you called me the king of podcasting. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> and I want to add one other thing. Absolutely. We are now read in nine countries. We have uh, Denmark, Singapore, and Australia on the list. So Podcast Mogul is now read in nine countries worldwide. Fantastic. Fantastic. No, definitely the king of podcasting because of how long you've been doing it, what you're doing, what you're helping others accomplish. There's There's a lot to it. So um, let's get into it as far as your background. Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in, in New York till I went to middle school. Then my parents moved me down here to Florida, and I barely made it out of high school. And <laughs> after that, became an electrician, did that for about nine years, hated it, jumped into real estate, made a million, lost a million, learned a lot of lessons, rebuilt that business. And uh, I've spent the last, I don't know, probably four or five years just hanging with my mentors, recording it, sharing it with people, and that's what's turned into the what we call the podcast factory today. It's an incredible journey. So let's go back, if I could, to let's say around high school time. What was your vision there for, or back then, for where you wanted to go, what you wanted to be when you grew up? <laughs> out of school. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, wanted to that was your main motivation, huh? Yeah, I wanted what, to get what out. Was it, what was it about school that was so torturous for you? I think I have a problem with authority. That's really it. I don't like being told what to do to this day. And so that's why I didn't function well in the job life. That's why I didn't function well in school. And that's why the only logical route for me to be happy and successful was to become uh, a business owner. 
That, I think that resonates with me and a lot of people. I think that's a common characteristic. Uh, but you ended up going in the route of becoming an uh, electrical apprentice, right? And then what, yeah. we were an electrician for a while. So did you just fall into that by default because you couldn't find anything else? What, how did you end up there? Actually, and I was a bad kid, so it's surprising that I would listen to my parents. But the one piece of advice I listened to was, you got, you got to get a trade. You got No matter what you do in life, you got to get a trade to have something to fall back on. And yeah. that that advice of fall back on is such bad advice, but they didn't know any better. And I did what they told me. I got a trade. I was an electrician and being an electrician, you always have a job. Doesn't mean you're going to like your job. Doesn't mean you're going to get paid well. Doesn't mean that you're going to have a good life, but at least you always have a job. Mm -hmm. And so that, I know you were going to talk about mentors, but at that point in your life around you, there was no one that set a different model as far as becoming an entrepreneur. And again, it was all well-intended parents wanted to guide you the best they knew but there was no one at that time that you had was influencing you that said there's a different way it's interesting because i have a totally different perspective nowadays when i think back to the kind of employee i was i would have fired me in a heartbeat because yeah. i was such a jerk <laughs> and so I do think about how some people would ask me if I was going to get my contractor's license, if I was going to open my own shop, and I'd be like, what, what do I want to do that for? I just want to show up 7 to 3.30 and be done. And that was my mindset back then. And today I think about that and I think, what an idiot. What a complete moron. But I was young, I was dumb, and I really didn't have any any real purpose. Yeah, so you were the issue, there's no doubt. And to, but then <laughs> something start, something clicked and you started to listen. And what was there one thing? Was it just certain series of things over time? What was it that then changed your mindset? Yeah, so I... I knew I didn't like what I was doing. I mean, I was in such a bad mood. And I think back to my former self and just so angry at the world all the time and just probably had that victim mentality, why me kind of thing. And I, I just, I was in misery. It was just painful. Every day was more painful than the next. And I was going nowhere fast. And I would look around me and I'd see old people who had done this their whole life and they really had nothing to show for. In fact, my dad worked mostly construction all his life and he really didn't have much to show for it. I mean, we had a house and we had food on the table, but he didn't have all the freedom that was possible out in the world. And so I really just saw myself going nowhere. And the, the catalyst was when my mom died. And I was like, holy crap, you know, she's working at this job at Pan Am. She doesn't like the people that she's with. And, you know, dad hasn't amounted to much. And I'm like, this is this is my future. I can't have this future. This is not going to be how I end up. And that motivated me to get out of the whole tradesman thing, the blue collar thing and jump into a white collar and start selling real estate, investing in real estate, owning rentals and, and all that kind of stuff because I knew from what I had studied that was a way to gain wealth no matter where you came from. Right. And so you did very did very well in that venture with investing in real estate, right? And built up a pretty good portfolio and then something called two thousand eight happened, right? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that I did well. I did. 
everything was just happening back then. And if I had done well, then I would still have all the money that I lost back then. Good point. But I did. I did. I got out of my my blue collar job and I switched over to the uh, obviously the real estate investing, real estate rehabs and rentals. Ended up losing everything, though, because we were so over leveraged. So got foreclosed on. My dad's house got foreclosed on. We lost all the money that we had, plus more money that we didn't have. And it was a nightmare. I lived in two years of misery telling myself, you see, you didn't deserve that. That's why it crashed. You weren't good enough. You weren't smart enough. You should have just stayed at your job like a good little drone. I went through two years of that before I finally snapped out of it and started rebuilding my business. And I think I heard you speak to this point on another podcast that this is, and it resonated for me because I think it's the truth, that this is a battle that you continue to have, that we all continue to have, but you have to continue to to overcome that. And I don't know if I'm expressing it the right way, but that those feelings of doubt of not being good enough don't always go, they don't go away. It's just we get better and better at overcoming them. Is that, am I putting that the right way? You You nailed it, Henry. Really, that's... You're going to be your biggest roadblock. Whoever you are, however you grew up, you're going to be your biggest resistance or you're going to be your biggest fan or in some cases, you're going to be both at one point or another. And the problem with people who don't succeed is they they stay in that critic mind. They stay in that mindset, that fixed mindset. Who wrote, was it Carol Dweck, I think wrote the book Mindset, but there's a a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And the fixed mindset is things are the way they are. And that's how you have to accept them. The growth mindset is you will change the way you look at the world and make things happen. Like for instance, even right now, I I struggled with it for many years. And luckily I had mentors that helped me because I've reached all new levels of success and then I'd hit a wall because it was more than I ever knew, more than my parents ever knew. And I I would think I didn't deserve it and I'd get stuck and I've gotten stuck in those spots before. But getting around the right people, expanding your mind and like you said, being aware, being aware of it and knowing that you're limiting yourself, that's really the, the key to breaking through all that. So yeah, I got stuck in that. I still hit it even just, uh, recently, um, Cupcake, my wife, uh, she's working with me in the company. We just adopted our little boy after a three-year process. Oh. We b- brought home our little boy. And thank you. She's, she's thinking she might go back to work because she's on leave. And I'm like, nah, I don't think so. I think you just stay here with me. And she's like, really? But we have to pay for insurance and we have to fund our IRAs and we have to pay taxes and all that stuff. And back in the day, I would have been thinking the same way. I would have been like, yeah, God. Yeah, you got to go back to work. What am I thinking? I'm crazy. My solution now, make more money. Yep. That's that's the one thing that's in my control, right? All the other stuff, I got to pay taxes, I got to buy health insurance, all that stuff is out of my control. What's in my control? Make more money. Well, hell, that's what I'm going to do. It's so fantastic when we figure that out, but it's nonetheless, you still have that, in the back of your head, there's still that fear that you have to continuously keep at bay. But uh, but once you figure that out, we're, we're so indoctrinated and conditioned and trained and educated to fit into that mold of becoming an employee that it's really hard to overcome. It's like gravity to, to get away from. It takes a lot of effort. Yeah, you got to have that momentum to that break momentum. free of the gravity. Exactly. I'm curious. Do you do you? Is there a thing you do? Is there a, a tip you have when you when you are feeling that? 
wanting to go back to those feelings of I'm not good enough. Is there something you do? Is there something you tell yourself? Do you have a practice? Anything you could share along those lines? Yeah, I'll share something from Strategic Coach. So look, I've spent the last 10 years trying to improve myself, trying to grow myself, trying to expand what I think is possible so that I can break free of that gravity that we're talking about. And one of the things is I'm in strategic coach this year. And look, not too long ago, I hit this thing hard where I I actually, you're going to laugh at me or you're going to think I'm a jerk either way. But we we did a launch, me and a partner uh, on this membership site. And we end up We think we're going to have 500 members on the weekend. We end up with 900 members, and we make a a tidy sum of money, more than I've made in four days ever. (laughs) And it's like I I look at all that, and I think, oh, man, Uh, this something's going to go wrong. Mm. This is bad. I'm not – I don't don't deserve all of this. And and I start getting down on myself. And instead of being happy when we had this – sort of windfall, I fall into this feeling bad about myself. And so that's why I say you, you might think I'm a jerk. I make all this money, but then I, I'm questioning really if I even deserve it. And so what I learned as strategic coach and what snapped me out of that was something they call the gap. And so you look at your goals as the horizon, your goals as the horizon. And what happens when you go towards the, the horizon? It keeps moving, right? It keeps moving away from you. And so if you keep chasing that horizon and you never reach it, you're going to start feeling pretty bad. And so the cure to that is to turn around and look back at the gap from where you are today to where you came from and see your accomplishments there. So you can say, damn, I'm doing pretty good. And then turn back around like and chase that horizon some more. Yeah, very well said. Uh, I think that those teachings from Dan Sullivan have helped me, and I have not gone through strategic coach yet. My, my partner has. And it just helps you put things in perspective and compare yourself to where you have come from instead of this ridiculous comparison that we make to other people or other things. It's ne- we can never win at that game. Right. Um, and it's also about enjoying the journey, enjoying the process. Um, okay, so you rebuild, you study a lot, as you said, you self-studied on sales and marketing and entrepreneurship, and, and then you discovered podcasting and you thought, that's something I want to do. What, what happened there? Why, why did that attract you? <laughs> so let's, let's drop back for a second. Anybody who's heard me before has heard this story, but in high school, I was a straight D student, and I was really good at getting Ds and nearly failing. And so I, I, it was so bad, Henry, that I actually had to take summer school just to graduate. And that gives you an idea of what a sucky student I was. <laughs> but um, one of the, the, there was a one little sliver of shining light in all those four years that I couldn't help but get an A in, and it was TV productions, which mm. means I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm an AV nerd somehow. <laughs> so... Around 2008, 2009, I buy my first Mac. I find this program called GarageBand, and that's about the time when people are saying, you got to blog and you got to create content, and I'm thinking, I'm not a writer. I'm not going to write. Video is too hard to do right now. not going to do that. not crazy about myself on video, but audio, audio, I can do that. And I started 
podcasting way back when, right around 2009, I started my first podcast, lasted about a year and a half, did 77 episodes. The problem was I made the mistake that most people make getting into podcasting. I went in without a plan, without any real gauge for what success was, and I was just doing it to do it. And so eventually I had to quit that podcast because it wasn't making money. It was taking up a bunch of time and I wasn't really happy with it. And so that, but that got you hooked. That got you into it and you continued with it, even though that first one you didn't consider a success. Yeah. And then the second one, I got smart. I said, oh man, my audio didn't sound good on that first one. And so I want to put some more time into audio quality and I want to produce a nice show that'll sound great. And what was supposed to be a quick 30 minute show would be what I call a four hour work fest. Everything that I did to prepare for the show, everything I did to edit and mix the show, every, everything I had to do for that show along with promoting it and all that turned to a bunch of work. And I'm like, no, no, this, this is not fun. This is no longer any fun. Let me get smart. I'm going to hire somebody to do this. And I hire my first audio engineer, and we go chugging along. And the problem was I went into that podcast without a plan either. It was so bad that on the first episode, we didn't even know the name of the show. So after we <laughs> recorded two, we had to turn show number two into show number one because we figured out the name. That's how, how unplanned it was. But then I end up burning like $3,000, $3,500 with the audio engineer and I'm still not making any money. I'm still not having any success. And all I'm doing is talking into a mic, but it's not really doing anything for me or for my business. So again, another failure, more data. Now I know what else not to do. And it wasn't until about 2013 when I launched the making agents rich show where I figured things out. And so now you've got a system, a process, and you can plug in additional shows as you bring on different uh, shows that you produce, and you just repeat that system that you've perfected over time, and I'm sure continue to improve. I, I want to ask you about the, the plan part of it. Give me a little bit more, just at a high level. What do you mean by a plan? I mean, obviously, the, the naming and kind of were my audience and the avatar, all those things are obvious, but there's more to it, I suspect, when you say a plan. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I had this friend when I, I lived in Baltimore right around 2000, uh, right before all the stuff happened over here. And I, I was living over there. I was dating a flight attendant. So we lived in Baltimore near the airport. And this guy, he was he was from the hood. He was a little crude. And he would he had this little joke that he would pick up a girl, you know, she needed a ride and he'd be like, all right, where do you want to go? And then his next question was, how are you going to work it off? I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. How, how are you going to work it off? And so that's really what I'm talking about with a plan. Yes, you need to know your audience. You need to know your equipment and your schedule and all that stuff. But how are you going to pay for that thing? How are you going to get a return on your investment? And that's what I figured out in 2013 was how to put together a podcast without taking money out of pocket. And I call that my no money down podcast recipe where we fund the podcast before we started. And we actually did that for the Making Agents Rich show. We had enough money before we launched to go ahead and do 10 episodes. And then on our 10th episode, we started selling again to our audience. We made more money and we kept iterating the product over and over again. That first year we did 
just over a hundred thousand dollars, which was pretty good money at the time. And I, I was already making money in my real estate business, so this was newfound money. So I would sock it away, and then I started investing in more shows. So I would take on a new show, I would fund it, then we'd figure out, you know, all right, so this is paid for. What are the products we're selling? What's our plan to repay all this and keep bringing them into the black, so that I've, I've now got. <laughs> That's that's why my newsletter is called Podcast Mogul. Mm -hmm. Just doing that little technique there. Yeah. Okay. But I want to make sure I caught something there, Jonathan. You fund it before you launch, so you've generated enough revenue somehow to pay for the expenses of producing the show. That did I follow that right? Somehow. Well, I don't we just tell everybody the how. Isn't that what this is about? That's right. <laughs> Let's tell everybody the how. And that's what I call my no money down podcast recipe. So the way we did it was uh, Darren and I were already working together on a coaching program. We both in real estate training. We both had email lists and some credibility in that area. So we were doing a group coaching program. And there was this problem that kept coming up. And we were hearing it from all our students, all the agents that were training under us. They kept having this problem that their their buyers were getting outbid on houses. There was a shortage of inventory and they didn't know what to do. And the solution was simple. Get more listings. So Darren and I got together, said, hey, listen, why don't we put together a product? And it was an info product at the time on how to get listings. And we'll pitch that to our people. If they buy it, we'll use all the proceeds to fund the Making Agents Rich Show. It didn't have that name at the time. Okay. The name came afterwards. But we'll fund our podcast. And if nobody buys it, then we won't bother. Pretty simple. And so we came up with an outline, and it was just going to be five weeks of uh, webinars where we were teaching one module each week for the system. And we pitched it to our list, and we had people buy it, enough people buy into it. And we just went ahead and used the money that we came up with there. <laughs> That's what, what's funny about no money down real estate investing. People think there's no money involved in it. There is money. It just doesn't come out of your pocket. And so that money did not come out of our pocket. We generated that money, and then we invested it into the podcast. And that way we weren't digging into our pockets. It was just time. Got it. And so your approach is that you – have to have the product first, at least a prototype or not prototype, a version one, if you will, of that product, generate some revenue, and then that feeds the launch of the podcast, correct? And this is the reason why so many people don't like me and so many people think I'm being rude because I tend to talk more people out of podcasting. If you don't have an email list, if you don't have a product, if you don't have a plan, then I want to talk you out of podcasting because podcasting can be expensive. And when I say expensive, it could be expensive money-wise and it could be expensive time-wise. And if you don't guard your time and your money, you're going to get burnt out quick. And so I feel like I'm protecting people when I tell them, listen, you need to build your email list first. You need to build your product second. And then after those two things are working and you have money coming in, then you can add a podcast to the mix and get that whole thing churning for you and, and making money. I can't disagree with you. That's not what I'm doing, but I can't disagree with you. Uh, it's, it, it makes it makes sense, especially in hindsight for me as someone who who's had a show now for a few months. Uh, and I think often what people are delusional about is they think they can monetize the podcast. Somehow they're going to get rich off the podcast itself. And, <laughs> and you've spoken to that many times on other shows that that's just for the most of us. That's not realistic. 
The thing about you, Henry, that I, that I appreciate is that you weren't delusional going in. You said, hey, I, I know what I'm going to do here with my show. I'm going to build up my tribe, and I'm going to sell directly to my tribe. And no, I'm not going to get rich off of this. And the problem is you got John Lee Dumas and all these other guys out there telling them, you can get rich on podcasting. Just be on fire. And the thing is, bro, that's not going to happen. It's likely you're not going to get enough money from sponsors. You're not going to get enough downloads. So you got to have a better plan, a real plan, a plan. I sound like my parents. You got to have something to fall back on, right? <laughs> you're, just selling, you're selling a different system, but it's, you know, yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah. But no, this is why they call you the king of podcasting. But it's not the king that uh, is delusional and doesn't have any clothes on. It's you know, you're the real king of podcasting because you're telling the truth and people don't want to hear it, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, you've got the experience to back it up. All right. One of the things you touched on that I want to come back to now is you mentioned Darren. I think it's Persinger or Persinger. How do you pronounce Persinger? That? Yes, Persinger. sir. So he's one of your early mentors in life, if I got it right when I was doing yeah. my research. And I know mentors have been critical and important. You mentioned that, but let's talk about that now and how that's played a role in your life. Gosh. So I, I've been fortunate in my life to have mentors always take an interest in me. And on one of the shows, Darren and I recorded, I think, 190 plus shows of the Making Agents for a Show. And on one of those shows, I asked him, Darren, why, why do I always seem to have a mentor, people, smart people like you that want to help me? And, and he said, because you asked for it. And I didn't really realize it, but I'm one of those people who I learned something. Henry, I learned something from you here today. I'm going to go put it to use in my business or in my life, and I'm going to come back to you and report back what I found out. Like, yeah, this worked. No, this didn't work. Or here's what I tried, and here's the result I got. I'm going to report that back to you. So you give me an idea. I go use it. I implement it. I tell you whether it worked or it didn't or what I did with it. And you're more interested in knowing more because I'm using your idea. And if you really believe in your idea and it didn't work for me, you're going to say, hey, did you try this or did you try that? And if it did work, you're going to say, great, I got this other thing that you should try. And look, you're mentoring me, Henry. You're, you're helping me. <laughs> so that, thank you. Uh, that, to me, the, the immediate thing that comes to mind is ego. And there's two sides to ego. One is that you don't let your ego keep you from asking for help and, and honestly and genuinely asking for it. And then with your mentors, you feed to the positive side of their ego because nobody, everybody loves to know that they've had an impact, that they've made a difference, and that encourages them to do so even more. Absolutely. And so Darren was, was a guy, see, I almost failed my second time at real estate, and I was in a real bad spot. I was 50% vacant on my rentals, and I was goofing around online and creating content and just jerking around doing things that didn't matter. And Darren smacked me in the back of the head and said, dude, wake up. You got to use this stuff on your business. And I was like, oh, duh. Why didn't I think to do video sales letters and email marketing and landing pages for my rentals? So I turned it all around on my business and the results were stupid. I mean, just stupid, good results. And I was like, holy crap, what was I thinking? And, and I spent time focusing on that. But that's the thing about having a mentor is sometimes when they take an interest in you, they can help you find those blind spots, those things that you're not seeing, those very obvious things that you miss. Because when you are in, in the frame, you can't see the picture. No, incredibly valuable. Um, all right, so I'm trying to figure out here which direction I'm going to go. There's so many other things I want to talk about. But 
Let, let's get into the, the R factor question since we've talked about strategic coach and Dan Sullivan. Um, I heard you mention as we had chatted before we started recording that, that you're a big user of it. So share with me how and when you apply it. And let's yeah, first of all, let's explain to our audience what the heck the R factor question is. Let's uh, give them a hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so R factor, it's a, it's a, you guys and girls listening, you can check it out. I believe it's available on Amazon. If not, it's on uh, Strategic Coach website. And the book is called The Dan Sullivan Question. And it, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase because I can't do as good a job as Mr. Sullivan. But basically, it goes something like, if you and I were having this conversation three years from now, and you were to look back on those three years, what has to have happened in your life, both professionally and personally, for you to feel happy with your success? So that's the opening question, and it's a primer to get people talking about things. And then what you do is the R factor part of that is you dive deeper into each part of it. Like what... Uh, it's like a, a SWOT analysis in a way. You have to look at what opportunities in the next three years you need to take advantage of, what weaknesses do you need to work on, and what strengths do you need to capitalize on. And the way I use this, and I'm pretty sure you guys use it with hiring, so I use it two ways. I use it, number one, with my team. And the reason is, I want to know what the people on my team want for their future to see if it lines up with what I want for the future. And if it does, I want to make their items come true because they're going to say things that they want to happen. And I feel like I can help that happen if we're in alignment. In fact, I talked about, I think I talked about Cupcake coming to work with me. And that's what, what my coach, a strategic coach said, two things you got to do. One of them is have the R factor DOS talk with her. And the other one is an impact filter. So two tools from strategic coach and Cupcake did not like the questions. <laughs> she was like clawing to get away from me. And I said, look, this is the culture here. This is the way we're doing things. Just please play along. She played along. And what I found out was there was things that we both want and we can make happen sooner rather than later. There's things that she's really good at, which are going to be things that she's better suited for doing in the company. And so I can give her all that. All the stuff that she wants, I can give her right away. And so that's the way we use it with team building. The other way I use it is after someone has become a client. And I don't do this with a client who just starts with me. Because first, they, yeah, they got to earn their spot to work with me, number one. And even after they earn their spot, they got to prove themselves by hanging on a while. And if they, they're in month, two months, and then we get on a call and we do the R Factor DOS. And I start taking an interest in their goals, what they're looking to do over the next three years. And I start looking for ways to make those happen. In fact, one of my goals for this year, I wanna, I've got my pocket coach right here in front of me. So I want to get it right when I look at it. But so one year goal. Give each one of my clients and team one of their R factor DOS items. And so I'm I'm actually trying to make these people's dreams come true. Very excited. I'm writing that down there so I can come back to it. Okay, but two things. First of all, cupcake is a nickname, right? A term, <laughs> term of endearment, I hope. Cupcake. Yeah, I write daily emails to my list. 
the, the, the newsletter at the podcast factory. And so we have nicknames as part of the game. Uh, so I'm producer Jonathan. She's Cupcake. And then our son, and I won't explain it now <laughs> for another story. His name That's is right. Dong. Got it. Okay. We'll leave that there. So, so Cupcake, and not to pick on you, Cupcake, but why do you think she resisted the question? Because I think she's not the only one. Often that's what, what we, you get in response, or at least this blank look of, oh my gosh, I'd never thought you would ask me something like that. Why do you think people, that it stumps people sometimes? Most people who have been employees or working in, in, in a corporate environment, just they don't like that stuff because you're used to the structure. This is my my view of it, of course. You're in this structure, you get to check boxes and take things off your to-do list, and there's no really, your dreams are not really important to the corporate structure. It's just getting your job done. So then you get out into this other world where your dreams, hopes, aspirations, all that stuff is important, and that's scary. I, I don't want to dream about anything. I dream about something I might not get it, and I'm a failure. And I'm on the other side of that. I dream about stuff. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I think it's just being in that structure where you are not an individual and you're part of this big conglomerate and you don't really count. It's uncomfortable to come out and, and, and actually count and and also be accountable to those dreams. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's also that. It's you may not want, I may not want to tell you what I really what I really needs to happen in three years. I'd like to not be working for you and be my own boss. Maybe that's yeah. my dream. <laughs> sure. That's and, all and, good. And in corporate America, we cannot share that. There's no way right. we use it just like you alluded to for alignment. And when we're hiring someone onto our team, but because we're an entrepreneurial business like yours, we're, we're not delusional that someone's going to work with us for 30 years. Right. We when we aspire as you do to help people get to where they're going. Hopefully as part of that journey, they give us value and, and make us better for whatever period of time they spend with us. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's why these types of questions are the types of questions that an entrepreneur asks to build a team that helps them grow their company. Um, okay, so I also understand that at first I thought it was just sales, but more specifically, as you explained it, is you like to think of yourself as a problem solver. So I'd like to chat a little bit about that. And do you think you were always that type of personality? Yeah. Instead of sales, let's make it solutions. Solutions. Uh, I like that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So even when I was in, in electrical, hey, we need power from that panel over there to this island over here. Run pipe, dig trench, pull wire, problem solved. <laughs> you know, solution. Yeah. And that's just my natural instinct as a man is to solve problems. Oh, problem, I solve, you know, that's the I'll, way I'll I fix it. I'll fix it, Cupcake, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's not right, is what I know. <laughs> sometimes she doesn't want her problems fixed. She just wants to talk about them. That's so right. But that's a, a, that's a whole there. other show also, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But yeah, that's really what it is. And so, and, and that's one of the things that the R Factor DOS does for you because a while ago because my company is not that old the podcast factory just really started in june yeah i think it was june of 15 it's only like a year a little bit over a year old as we're speaking right now that it's actually turned into a company and i thought it was a podcast production company but as i did more and more interviews with my team and with my clients and with my close personal friends. I do this with everybody, the R Factor DOS. Sometimes it's weird, but I really care and they'll get that. I'll show you I care, but 
the thing is, I realize that I'm I'm looking to solve more problems because at the podcast production that's easy. Anybody can solve that problem. Growing your business, getting freedom, having systems, all these other things that they say they want, getting fit, getting your self confidence up. These are all things I help people with, and I didn't realize that before I got into this R Factor DOS. And I'm here to solve whatever problems my clients have. And that's that's really why I say I'm in the solutions business. I'm finding solutions to problems they have so that we can have a lifelong relationship. Yeah. And it is such a that's gotta be such a great way to look at things because as a business owner, that that's really what it's about is this process, this journey of overcoming challenges, finding solutions. It's not the end game, but the whole process. And so that must be very rewarding to you because you look at every obstacle now as a problem that you can solve. Is that right? Yeah. Well, that's really another thing that we're going through in Strategic Coach right now is looking for the lessons inside problems to create new breakthroughs. And so that's it. It's like I didn't realize this and it should have been so obvious to me, but I started doing the R Factor DOS and I realized that most of my clients, they want to get speaking gigs. They want to grow their audience. They want to get in front of more people. And I'm like, duh. I, if I was thinking in the frame of podcasting, you want good sound. You want it to be on iTunes. Such a small frame. And when I expanded and talking to them, I realized, oh, gosh, I can put on live events and feature them. Oh, gosh, I can introduce them to these people and get them more exposure. So the world starts expanding when you actually focus on what people need and want and how you can help them. Okay, the question I always ask my guests is along the lines of what you think have been the keys to your personal and business success. We've touched on some of those already for you. Obviously, we just talked about problem solving. Earlier on, we, we talked about mentors and what an important role that's played. Uh, but what else? What else stands out now as you look back that you think has been key to your success in business? Well, bigger than business is key to living a happy life. And right now, I have to tell you, I am the happiest version of me that I've ever been. Cupcake and I are actually, look, Henry, this has been a dream for as long as I can remember. But we go snowboarding every year and we think, oh, gosh, seven days, 10 days, not enough. Wish we could spend longer. One day, one day we'll spend a month out here. Well, we could keep thinking one day forever, or we could make it happen. And so this year in February, we are going to have a month where we're in Utah with our son, with a season pass, and we're going to get all the snowboarding we want in because we can. And so the the way that we got there is is being self-aware, realizing what our limitations are, really digging in and figuring out what we really want, what makes us happy. And so bigger than any of this stuff. The real way to be happy is to recognize who you are, get to know yourself, and constantly grow. And and the, one of the ways to do that is to know what you really want because so many people, you ask them what they want, and, and they can't tell you. And when a person tells you can't, they don't, they don't know what they want, how could they ever be happy? So knowing what you want and recognizing your limitations and making – Bridging that gap, right? Bridging that gap to how you can get there is going to be a key to success in business and a key to living a happier life. Would you share with us at least a, a little bit of what you want? Yeah, absolutely. And so I write it in my book. I, 
I'm such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can share, and I'm going to go to my pocket coach. So let's talk about lifetime goals. Let's go even deeper. So these are my lifetime goals and coach. I wrote these down just a few weeks ago. So I'll give you my top five. Be a loving father and husband. Be a good practical Catholic man, which means investing time, talent, and money back into my community. Be a constant learner. Be more giving and be an inspiring leader. That's what I want for my legacy. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, that's uh, that's good insights, and I think a huge takeaway for myself and for listeners. Uh, tied to that is this thing you mentioned about helping everybody achieve their dreams that you work with and, and work for. Um, so that's related to the next question I want to ask you. What, what are you most excited about today? Besides, I'm sure you're tremendously excited spending time with your son, with your family, but as it comes to business, what are you most excited about today? Right now, where I'm at in my business, uh, it's an exciting time because for many years, we thought that we would never even come close to uh, the, the income we're making in real estate, and my goal is to three times it in this business. And so we're getting to the first level of that. And the part that excites me most is that it, this has been easier than I thought, getting to this level, because I've just been finding deeper ways to connect with my clients, customers, and team to give them what they want. And so I, I'm starting to see now that the thinking big isn't enough. You got to think bigger. And that's one of the lessons Darren gave me. It's one of the first Making Agents Rich show. We we did uh, the, the Rich Habits or How Rich Agents Think. I don't know. We did this series. And one of the things that he taught me was thinking big wasn't enough, thinking bigger. So I'm excited about the impact that I'm making in the world and not only how it's helping the people who listen to us, like the people that are listening to us talking, the people that, that have downloaded our shows a million times, but the people that get this in, in the future. Even after I'm, I'm no longer here, I know that I'm going to be impacting lives through my work right now. Not just the life of my family, which is number one to me, but the lives of everybody that hears my voice and that we touch through these talks. That's fantastic. You're making a difference there. What do you see as the future of podcasting? Where do you think it's going? Gosh, so what I am thinking right now is that there is going to be a shift to a more structured type of show. I feel like corporations are starting to come in and say, hey, there's opportunity here. The ad dollars are starting to run in and a lot of little guys are going to get pushed out and you're going to have to really shine. You're going to have to stand out. You're going to have to be entertaining, big personality. You're going to have to be either abrasive or polarizing, but it's going to be more difficult for the little guy to stand out as bigger and bigger companies and names come into it. And people are going to have to put more work like the work that you do. I told you it's so rare to meet somebody who is so prepared, who has done so much digging. And that's the kind of stuff you're going to have to do if you want to survive in the future. Mm, very great insights, and I appreciate the feedback. All right, we'll start to wrap it up. Uh, summarize for me, if you would. We've touched on it, but tell me what it is that the Podcast Factory Network offers its clients. So here's the thing. We are business owners, just like you guys listening. And if you're like most business owners, you want to multiply your results. You want to get more leverage. You want to get a bigger ROI. You want to do better. And that's 
what we help you do at the Podcast Factory. So I've got some of my greatest mentors, some people that made a huge impact in my life, helped me move the dial, helped me live a freer life, helped me be happier. Those are my mentors. And I'm blessed to get to speak with them every week on the shows. And it's even more fun that I got to share them with you guys. And so the thing is, if you guys want the benefit of my mentors who I have vetted, who I have proven, who I know will help you multiply your business, then you can go to the podcastfactory.com forward slash app, A-P-P, download our app and have all my mentors in your pocket to carry around with thousands and thousands of episodes and thousands of minutes of insights. And you can listen as much or as little as you like and start making a difference and start multiplying your results. Great stuff. And we'll have a link to that if you didn't catch that on the show notes page at thehowofbusiness.com. Uh, let's talk books. We've talked books already. You mentioned a book, Mindset. I didn't quite catch the author of that. Do you know? Who... I have to look. Hang on a second. I think it's Carol Dweck. Yeah, I don't want to give you too much dead air, but I've oh, read right. like 60 books this year. Dead air and, is not uh, necessarily always a bad thing. Two, two of the books that I would recommend to go together is Mindset, and then the other one is called uh, Curious, and it's got a black cover, the Curious book. I think there might be an owl on it, but two books to help you kind of open up your mind, get out of that fixed mindset, and to keep feeding yourself. Because that's one of the things is you got to keep nourishing your brain. And people think that reading stuff online and, and going through emails, that's enough. But you got to read books. You got to keep educating yourself. You got to keep looking for your own answers and not just online. And so those two books, Mindset and Curious, will help you with that. Fantastic. Great recommendations. And we also talked about Dan Sullivan's books. So we'll have all of those links to those books on the show notes page at the How of Business. All right, let's wrap it up here, Jonathan. Final parting piece of advice or guidance for our listeners. Yeah, do work. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Do work. Small little steps over time will multiply to give you the giant leaps in your business. And I got that from another mentor, uh, Sean D'Souza, who I, I'm, I'm a big fan of. I don't do a show with him yet, but we'll figure something out. But those small little steps multiply over time to give you the giant leaps and results. And this whole thing of doing work, I heard you speak about this in another episode that you were interviewed, and I encountered this myself in my business coaching and mentoring. Do you find out that that's often the case? People are big talkers, they're all excited, but then they're not willing to go do the work, even as simple as I think I heard you mention, go complete a certain worksheet. It's just, that's where a lot of people fall, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Their drive is just not deep enough. Their why is not deep enough because you have to be extremely unhappy to want to change because it's easy for us to just kind of settle in and be cozy and comfortable. But if you're not getting uncomfortable, if you're not doing the work, then you're never going to get the breakthroughs that you're looking for. Yeah, love that. Well said. All right, where would you like people to go online to find out more about you and the Podcast Factory? Go put all my mentors in your pocket. The podcastfactory.com forward slash app is all you need. APP. Jonathan, this has been a great uh, 45 to 50 minutes or so. Insightful. I've learned a lot. I know our audience has. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Henry. Hopefully we inspired and just lit a fire under one or two of you, and it, it'll, it'll be worth it. I'm certain that you have. Folks, this is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would 
welcome you to subscribe to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream. I'm Andrea, founder of a boutique handbag brand, Andy, and this is why I switched to Shopify. I tried three other platforms prior to Shopify, and I remember my breaking point was when I would try to make one little change and my entire site would go down. Shopify made it really easy for me to shift everything over and hit the ground running. I was able to migrate my products and all of my customer information over. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Go to shopify.com slash listen to take your business to the next level today.